welcome to Chairs Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. It's been a little while since we uh, last spoke, but uh, we're back with a vengeance. We've got lots of exciting podcast episodes coming up. The first of which was with Dawn Ballard, a senior recruitment consultant working specifically in the charity sector. And Dawn and I had a lovely conversation in a fairly noisy London cafe a little while ago and talked specifically about careers in charity, including recruitment, what's writing covering letters and interview techniques. It was very, very interesting and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you. I'm very uh, pleased to be here. Hopefully I can have something interesting and useful to say. I know that you will, because we've already <laughs> spoken before this recording, and I know that you've got loads of interesting things to say. What is your background? What, what do you do currently? Maybe that's some place uh, to start. So currently I work in charity recruitment, in fundraising recruitment especially, with quarter five fundraising recruitment. Um, I've not been here long, but I've been in charity recruitment for four years um, in total. Um, I fell into it after ten years as a fundraiser in the charity sector. Um, so basically I'd, I'd had a great job, I worked with Bernardo's, um, as I kind of, my career progressed I lost the kind of um, closeness to the supporters, I yeah. kind of became more strategic and I didn't like that, I missed the people side of it, so um, took an excuse to take some time out, go yeah. travelling, um, came back desperately looking for work, picked up a few bits of uh, interim kind of stuff here and there. Um, and signed up with a recruitment agency to see what might be out there for me. Yeah. Um, and then got an interview, got offered a role with a charity, but chatted it through with the recruiter saying, oh, I'm just not really sure if it's right. Yeah. And I think she might have joked about me maybe doing something different like recruitment. And so four years later, I'm still in recruitment. <laughs> wow, wow. And, and what is it about recruitment that you like? I mean, because you're recruiting specifically for charities, aren't you? Yeah, and fundraising right. roles for charities. Right, okay. So um, I think I love I love the charity sector, I love fundraising, I love all the interesting stories and quirky things that people do. Yeah. Um, I like to be nosy, so I get to see how people's careers kind of progressed and developed. But I also like to help people kind of, if they've got a passion for the sector, then let's get them into the sector, let's get them a role, let's um, you know use that as, uh, to benefit the sector ultimately. So you're still, I suppose, you're, from the sounds of it, your passion is for the charity sector. Yeah. And, and you're still, and you're heavily involved in helping to improve that sector by getting the right people to the right jobs. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah, you're hired. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we've got people, uh, I think it's around 800,000 people, I could be wrong-ish, in the UK who work in the charity sector. That yeah, could be big much bigger. <laughs> probably with all the volunteers and things, yeah. it's probably talking about much, much money. Um, far more people than that. But with that many people uh, working in the charity sector, have you got a big split of people that stay working in the charity sector and then people that come and go? Yep, well, like me, so I fell out of it. Um, But plenty of people want to get into it and we work really hard to kind of support people that have got that great business acumen but they want to now do something that feels better and kind of get into the charity sector because they feel like it's the right thing to do. Maybe they've earned their money and now they want to give something back is the kind of cliche answer we get all the time. Um, And that's great, you know, it's obviously good for the sector to have fresh blood, new eyes, new ways of looking at things. Um, the challenge is kind of balancing those people's expectations mm. in regard to um, getting that role in the sector, um, especially if they have been on a very senior salary, they think they're doing a nice thing, but actually 
you know, when it comes to applying for a job or interviewing for a job, they're up against yeah. people that have been doing that nice thing throughout their whole career. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's kind of uh, getting their expectations right. And, and again, that, that passion for a charity is brilliant. And if you do your research, that's great. And if you really think about what roles your skill set might have, if you want to break into the sector, then that can help. And obviously, talk to recruiters, get an idea about salaries for roles and you know, some things are an easy kind of transition. If you work in IT, whether that's corporate or charity, that's pretty easy to get across. Yeah. Um, if it's something like a sales background or a relationship building, then there's potential in fundraising. But um, but it's not an easy step at all to uh, to make that transition. Um, and a lot of people go from the charity sector out of it, but less so, I would say. <laughs> so what, what tips would you have for people that are looking to move from, I suppose, commercial or public sector into the charity sector? Are, are there some key tips that people need to take away? Yeah, absolutely. I think the key thing they're going to get asked by anyone and everyone when they say they want to make that step is, what's their motivation? And like, really think that through. Really, what is it? Put your finger on it. You know, really kind of um, assess you know, is it just that you want to do something nice? In which case, could you carry on with your commercial career and maybe be a trustee or volunteer or do something like that? Um, bearing in mind how difficult it can be to, to make that transition. Yeah. Um, and I yet, suppose some people will be, will be fed up potentially with their working in the commercial sector for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, that it's not ticking their boxes in terms of it, you know, doing something worthwhile in their lives yeah. or something like that. So. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people get to that point where they yeah, they want to give something back, they yeah. want to do something good. Um, they've had more life experience where maybe they've been involved with charities a lot more, whether it be through um, a health issue or a personal issue. You know, charities become more apparent as we're out and about in the real world more. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, look at your motivation, research, you know, how your skills could fit the sector, um, be realistic about Okay, you might have a connection with your favourite charity, but actually you might need to look around to kind of get your foot in the door first before then ending up with your favourite charity. Yeah. Um, and also about salary expectations. Um, it's probably going to involve a pay cut and probably quite significant pay cuts. <laughs> but that's not to say that once you've got your foot in the door and you've got you know a year or two's experience, you can't start working your way back up again. Absolutely. And hopefully, you know, what you lose in money, you gain in good karma. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good, hopefully. Um, I think the other thing to think about is, you know, outside of work, what, or maybe within work in regards to like CSR, um, do you have things there that maybe will help you make that transition? You know, do you volunteer? Have you run the marathon? Um, you know, jumped out of a plane for a charity? Yeah. What have you done? Have you been a trustee? All those things that can kind of show you've got a real commitment to the sector can obviously help open those doors. Um, a little bit wider for you. Did you volunteer before you became you went into the charity sector? Then? Yeah, I did. Um, so I'm a big animal lover. Are you? Um, yeah, and uh, so I used to voluntarily do uh, walk dogs while I was at uni. Oh for, yeah. Um, uh, uh, dogs like dogs home. Yeah. Um, and I, I like weird, crazy things. So if it if there's a, something to get involved with, like a fancy dress or. Um, you know, record-breaking attempt to be but most people dressed as pirates, which I oh, have. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you were part of that, were you? But yeah. <laughs> I have four Guinness World Records. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I've always loved kind of doing community things, whether they be charitable or whether they're just about bringing people together for a common cause. I, yeah. I love that. 
And do you, I mean, from your own background or from the people that you, you work with in terms of getting them jobs, I mean, I, I was reading something a little while ago about how people whose uh, parents have volunteered for charities in their lives when the, when the people are younger um, are more likely to go into supporting charities. And I wonder how much of that includes supporting charities by working for charity. Because my own background, I work for charity and I've volunteered for charity, but also my parents have both been heavily involved in community things from as far back as I can remember. So Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know, if you remember kind of careers advisors at school, never was working in the charity sector given as a particular option. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think if you've been exposed to it and you've got awareness of not just kind of volunteer volunteer roles but the, the paid roles as well, it's yeah. just another another thing to think about as you're kind of developing your career. Fantastic. In terms of, I suppose there's so much advice out there for people um, that, you know, whether they're uh, yeah, general information about what you should do at interview, for example, for people working in the charity sector or for people that are moving into the charity sector. Presumably, the kind of, um, there are kind of some standard rules that you would need for any interview, regardless of which sector you're going into. But um, are there kind of, do you have any hints and tips for people that are you know, looking yeah, for I've a charity? Yeah, I've got hundreds <laughs> of stories of things that people shouldn't have done. Um, so don't chew gum at interview, don't wear inappropriate clothing, all things that I've actually had to feed back to candidates oh, really? and having her back in clients. So that's, that's pretty bad. But um, in general, I think, my key pieces of advice for, for CVs, application forms and interviews, research the charity. Um, yeah. Why does that charity particularly appeal to you? Um, you know, why do you kind of buy into their value or how do you buy into their values? Um, and what are you going to kind of bring them? And it, it's, it's not enough just to be kind of, oh yeah, I've heard of them and they're great because I've heard the name and it's good brand recognition. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, what are they about? So I would say definitely um, you know, review kind of what the charity stands for what, and think about how it matches what you stand for yeah. um, and tailor your CV and your supportive statement to show that and obviously at interview, um, you know, bring that out as well. You know, I really want to work for X charity because. It's amazing um, how, I mean, that seems like a given, doesn't it? That yeah. seems like kind of common sense. But it's amazing how many, I, I've interviewed for a lot of roles, both as a candidate and as a recruiter, and there are so many applications that you get where it doesn't, it maybe mentions the charity in name once, yeah. as the kind of an opening line of, I'd like to work for this charity in this role. Yeah. But they don't often go into the detail as to why. No, and I think, um, you know, I think it starts just from when we were taught to do CVs, you write your role, and then you start a new job, and then you add your new job onto the old job, and your CV gets bigger by just adding bits of about new jobs on without actually looking at an application form and thinking how does my CV and my Absolutely. skills match that application yeah. form yeah. Um, and actually even things like reorganizing your bullet points in order to have the most relevant things first so if it's a management role and the first thing on the job spec that isn't under the essential criteria is management then yeah. have that first you know make it as easy as possible for the client to be able to make that match and tick yeah, those boxes that yeah. you meet that criteria and, and with the CV as well because yeah. if I'm honest I'll hold my hands up but when I in my early days of going into different job interviews and things like I would have I'd go with one CV one version for every single interview and that that probably I did that for a few years and that's so, why you did it for a few that's years and I never got out of the, <laughs> the job I was trying to leave but, but I, I don't know how uh, how many people do that do that I, again I've seen lots of candidates that haven't done that 
No, absolutely. Um, and actually, I volunteer with the Young Women's Trust um, as part of their Work Out program. And I look at a lot of CVs and give people guidance on matching a CV to a job spec. So obviously my background is charities and fundraising and I look at those CVs all the time but I had to help someone the other day try and get um, a jewellery making apprenticeship so I was looking at a CV in a very crude fashion, bearing in mind someone's life on a piece of paper yeah. but I'm literally just there to match it to the job spec so I can say look you need to put um, X, Y and Z on it in regard to jewellery making yeah. um, and it's so important just to, to keep tweaking it and tailoring it and get rid of the stuff that's not relevant, you know Absolutely. it might be great that you know you've kept pet hamsters for 13 years but again real example <laughs> um, but I don't think it's going to really help you get in many jobs unless it's a hamster charity yeah, maybe in which case yeah. you are sorted and that, <laughs> that should be totally, the top yeah. <laughs> absolutely and that initial um, statement that the profile yeah I was going to ask about that yeah, what you you know, that's your first impression isn't yeah. it so other than when someone opens your CV so obviously check for grammar and typos because for some reason all of us will make a mistake on our CVs I think it's because it's the most important thing that we write and put yeah. out there and especially that sentence where you say I've got great attention to detail something in that sentence will be spelt wrong <laughs> I see it so often um, so yeah think about that initial kind of blurb um, you know let it say who you are like I've got this number of years experience in the charity sector yeah. um, something about your personality you know I'm organized I'm um, creative I'm great at working as a team and then kind of where you want to go mm. like, you know I want my career to develop in um, health charities in a fundraising role in a corporate role making sure it's relevant yeah, to the like, thing you're applying absolutely. for absolutely yeah, and yeah. the amount of times that I see that that hasn't been tweaked so yeah. it's kind of what they wanted to do back in the day and that's kind of stayed and there's just no um, synergy between that and, and the application or the, the job it's, they're going it for all, it's all common Simple. sense isn't it and, and I mean and hearing it but then at the same time as I, as I say you know I'm, I'm guilty but I'm sure most people are you know yeah. not thinking through all these things yeah. so and the supporting statement like you said yeah. is topped and tailed to say Absolutely. I want to work for this charity because and I think I mean I certainly was taught when I was doing covering letters back at school you know yeah. that's how you start it yeah. and that's fine but actually and you just talk me 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 but actually they don't want to know about you, you, you. they want to know how do you fit Absolutely. what this charity is looking for and what this role involves But you know, in terms of the in terms of the um, people that are moving to the charity sector from a complete commercial background, or or even coming to their first uh, charity job, coming from uh, graduating or school or whatever, if they haven't got experience of talking about working or dealing with charities, is that going to be a, a difficult? Thing for them to, to then apply. Yeah, it's tricky, but it just means they've got to kind of up their game in the bits they can bring. So what are you bringing that is going to be transferable and useful? And absolutely, again, back to what does the charity do and why do you want to work for it? Yeah. If you can show passion over skill set, that can sometimes balance it. Not always, um, yeah. and it will be on a case-by-case -case basis depending on you know the resources that charity have in regard to training you up into that charity role. Um, but, um, but certainly there's potential. Um, so it's just about thinking about what you can bring rather than what you can't but definitely you know the internet's there social media's there look at what the charity does look at what um, how it presents itself you know use its kind of language back at it to show that you know you really buy into it you're there you're there already you know it you're passionate about it everything you've done has led you to this point where you want to work for them fantastic I suppose as you say it's just selling yourself isn't it the best way possible I mean in terms of are there ever in your experience are there ever situations where you shouldn't turn up 
in a suit for a charity work. I mean, I always have, apart from one time where I did turn up in walking boots and jeans, which I didn't get the job. Really? Surprisingly. <laughs> and, but it was, it was, I was a bit green and it was back when, I think it was snowing that day. And I think it was in a, a role that was particularly outdoorsy. And so I thought, one, I don't want to have to carry my suit. So that's a sign of laziness, which obviously is, I didn't talk about that in an interview. But I thought if I turn up looking like I'm the kind of person that's going to be ready to go outdoors, the kind of role that's outdoors, then I, you know, that, that's going to be a good thing. I can, I can make that work. I don't think I did make that work because I didn't get a set a call back. Really like that. So, but are there ever situations where you shouldn't turn up in your finest clothes? Your, your no, suit? I don't think so. No. I think it shows um, you respect the people that you're meeting. Sure. You respect the charity. It's better to be overdressed than underdressed. Yeah. And yeah, I've heard stories. Um, a guy turned up in a suit. It was their dress down day, um, but it all went well, and he was fine being suited and booted. But when he got the job and he turned up on his first day, he dressed down thinking that was oh, no. normal <laughs> attire. <laughs> And it wasn't, so he was then the only person uh, on his first day in jeans when everyone else was in their suits. But uh, <laughs> in general, no, always go smart, yeah. absolutely. And um, he kept the job, presumably. That's <laughs> 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 fair enough. Yeah, and people often ask what to wear, and there is, and certainly corporate people coming into, or commercial people coming into the charity sector, it's yeah. like, you know, are they more casual? Well, yes, they might be, but it's an interview, so give it the respect that it deserves. And it's something you can ask at the interview, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's all about dress code and things yeah. like that. So. And if you're going through a recruitment agency, again, they'll give you advice and support in regards to, like, you know, yeah, what to wear, and, uh, <laughs> and again, things like piercings and yeah. tattoos, should you cover them, should you keep them? Um, and again, if you're using a middleman, use them the knowledge that they have about the charity. But um, essentially, I would say, you know, be yourself, because you can't not be yourself for so many hours, and mm. you you're at work a long time. Absolutely. I suppose everybody has either got nervous in interview or has been has seen people nervous in interview. And I remember interviewing a candidate who was so nervous that the every time we asked a question, I, I was willing the red rash that was shot up this candidate's face. Um, not to do it, and even to the point where I was probably over uh, compensating by smiling and trying to be as you know relaxed and as much as possible by you know hand gestures like oh don't worry it's fine it's fine, and but that only made things worse. But so are there things that you think people should could do to either prevent themselves from being nervous or from helping to prevent candidates from being nervous? Yeah, totally. I think from a candidate point of view, um, again, be as prepared as you can be. You know, know the charity inside out. Read that job spec a hundred times if you have to. Um, advice I'll normally give to candidates is look at the essential criteria, turn each of those bullet points into questions um, and think about a scenario-based answer for each of those questions. And then at least you know you've got the basics covered for exactly what they're looking for in the role. Sure. Um, and the other thing to remember, it's a two-way thing. Um, so the client will want to impress you, the candidate, as much as the other way around. So, and I see all the time where a candidate has been nervous, they've gone for an interview, the client has absolutely loved them, um, but maybe played bad cop in the interview process. Oh, really? And now the candidate doesn't want that job, but the client's begging them to come and join. <laughs> so the balance of power can change a lot. So you've yeah. got to remember, actually, do you know what? I'm great, and I don't get many chances to shout 
out about how great I am and my work experience and what I've done. So I'm going to fully embrace this. I'm going to tell them why I'm good and hopefully it'll be a match for what they're looking for. But if it's not, okay, it's probably not the right job for you. No, exactly. So, and if you don't gel with the people, again, probably not somewhere that you want to work. And you know, it is, it is strange, isn't it, that, that some places will do that kind of high-pressure tactic in terms of interviewing people. I mean, I, I've, I've been part of that. I've seen, I've worked with another interviewer who was my boss at the time, who was very, um, slightly aggressive, I would say, towards the candidate. I think, and outside of it, the, my boss at the time said, you know, it's to push them to see how they deal with pressure. Now, on that, in that situation, as you mentioned, um, the candidate, I think that we, one of the candidates, certainly we were contacted by the agency and say they're, they're not looking, they, they don't want the job anymore. And I know the world's kind of backfired a bit, hasn't it? I mean, surely to get the best out of a candidate, you want to be personable and, and relatively friendly, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. And I would always, and I always give feedback to clients. Obviously, I get feedback from candidates after they've been in the interview. Um, and as much as I want to hear from the client that the candidate did great, I also want to hear that the client did great. Because if they didn't, I'd be very cautious about sure. working with them in the future. And I would certainly make sure my candidates are prepped for expect bad cops. Yeah. They're not really like that all the time. But it is really hard. And you do end up as a client chasing after candidates that you're scared off. Um, and you can ask yeah. them, you know, how do you deal with pressure? And you can see it. And interview is pressure it's something very unfamiliar for a lot of people that yeah. you know, we're not all doing every day so um, I don't think you get the best out of people at all by going in and being too hard um, no, no. Be, be nice get the best out of them be nice and it's a nice hopefully it's a nice sex to be in that's yeah. the idea isn't it that we're all trying to do a nice thing and help, yeah. help other people so yeah I mean uh, you know I think it makes sense to me that, uh, yeah, to get the best out of people generally, I suppose it's more of a management thing as well, yeah. isn't it? Management styles, you know, to And also, you know, think about what you've put this candidate through, you know, have mm. they done, you know, a supporting statement, have they researched a charity, have they taken a day off work to come yeah. to the interview? Um, you know, that, that's not a fun thing to do, you know, lying to all your colleagues. I know, sneak out that's a hard thing, isn't it? Yeah, and then you get there and then you give them a bad impression of what your charity is like. You yeah. like interview, you're representing your charity. So if they walk away going, wow, they were awful to me, I hate them, that candidate's going to go from being a, a big supporter of yours and wanting to work with you to being, you know, someone that's going to spread the word that you're not a nice place to work. Absolutely, and that so. kind of reputation does make a big difference, yeah. doesn't it? And, and, and potentially, you know, also, I suppose the thing to think about is all those candidates that come for interview, they've got their own networks of friends and potential supporters of Absolutely. your charity. And so if they start saying how terrible you behaved as a charity, that's no good for your PR, is it? No, absolutely not. And actually that brings me on to my other pet hate, which is uh, clients that don't give um, feedback to candidates after interview. Oh, it's like, yeah. it's, this person wanted to work for you, why would you not at least get back to them and say thanks but no thanks? Yeah. Like, to give them nothing when they've gone through, you know, so many hurdles to get there. Absolutely. Um, I just think, gosh, you know, if that was a volunteer or someone that had donated a fiver, you know, a charity would be like, no. But um, it's someone that's potentially yeah. done more than that, yeah. um, and yet you give them this kind of bad impression of, of you as a brand. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I wrote a, a blog on that actually. Did I'll you? Send, it to you. send me that blog, and we'll put it on the uh, on the notes for this podcast, listeners. You can see that on our website, charitychat.org.uk. Presentation of your application for a, a role, charity role, for example. So it's the obviously the covering letter is typical and CV as yes. well. But if people, you know. I'm not saying I've done this, but if I receive applications as a recruiter, 
Um, and then, you know, went on to LinkedIn to look at your profile. How important is that that people keep their I mean, is LinkedIn uh, prolific? Do people yeah. do have a LinkedIn Again, profile? as a candidate and as um, a hiring manager, you know, I often tell my candidates to check out the um, the people that will be interviewing them. It's good for them to see that they've researched each other, I think. So absolutely have an appropriate picture on there and have your uh, most relevant skills up to date. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned, actually, and so, so crucially important, in regards to your CV and your supporting statement and your LinkedIn numbers, evidence what you've done. Yeah, you know, I'm a great fundraiser. I bring in lots of money. Yeah. You know, I'm a fundraiser that brings in £100,000 a year or £10 a year. It's all very relative. You know, numbers yeah. will give weight to your experience um, and tangible examples of that experience and how mm. great you are. So shout about your numbers. And should you have that same level of detail on your LinkedIn profile? Because on, me on mine, and again, listeners, you can look at mine. <laughs> I get a good, big kick out of people looking at my uh, LinkedIn profile. But on there, you know, I've got the, the jobs that I've had and the, the timings of, you know, when I was there. But I haven't got any more detail about what I did. I mean, is that, is that good advice for people? Should they have that detail on there? No, I think it's good to keep it up to date, actually. You know, certainly as a recruiter, I'm looking at people's LinkedIn all the time. Um, you know, and obviously, again, if people are referred to me, that's my first port of call. Um, I think, you know, it's your, it's your brand that's out there that's open for people to see. Why would you not want to keep that as relevant and appropriate as possible? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think definitely spend a bit of time doing that. Obviously, you don't need to put on there all looking for a new opportunity big bold letters or anything like that if you are job hunting but you want to be open to what's out there even if you're happy where you are it's still flattering to get approached by someone to say oh actually you know you look amazing how about a 10k pay rise to come and do this job <laughs> and, and I suppose you know on that kind of if people are looking for their next move they can obviously come to uh, to you. Yes, you know. please do. <laughs> <laughs> and they can look online, and there are kind of other there are websites where people can look. You know, yeah. lame drop like charity job is a popular one, isn't yeah. it? And there are various others. Yeah. Um, and in doing, you know, when, but when talking to um, recruitment consultants, you know, that specifically deal with the charity sector. Do candidates need to be presenting themselves to you in a certain way to give you confidence in trying to help them find a job? Absolutely, yeah. Again, you know, if you've got a good relationship with your recruiter, that will help. You know, if you're nervous, again, that's fine. Tell them. They'll be able to help you. you know, this is what we do day in, day out. I, mean, I love giving interview prep. I think maybe, um, again, it's back to my, I like being nosy and things. But to see, and I interview prep people at a, you know, a very junior level and at a very senior level. And... It's interesting, it's fascinating to see how people do answer and it's such a, like I said, such a foreign thing to be doing is selling yourself that it's, uh, it's good to do. And again, yeah, when you're talking to a recruiter, you certainly want to be saying why you're good and, and you know, shouting your praises. You want them to think highly of you because absolutely that's how you're going to be representing them when they, when they go to meet a client. But we're obviously very aware that, again, it, as much as it's about fitting um, your experience to the job spec it's also about getting that cultural fit too so we want to talk to you we want to get to know you we want to know kind of what makes you tick what you're looking for in your next role in order to find a charity that matches that um, you know if you're very introvert and you need somewhere where you can just kind of get on with your own work without being in a big buzzy team open plan office you know that's fine they're all things that we're bearing in mind in the, in the back of our minds as we're kind of matching these jobs that's good to know. So I suppose the, the takeaway for you is, is know yourself and that will help you, won't it? Absolutely. So know what you're looking for. 
Yeah, no, or if you don't, find out, you know, yeah. have those conversations. Um, you know, I often talk to people going, I don't know what I want, or I want to be there in five years, how do I get there? Um, I had to tell someone the other day, you know, they've got um, a potential secondment opportunity to get line management experience. Oh, wow. I absolutely do that. Put your job search on hold, get that secondment, mm. get that line management experience, um, and then give me a call in six months and, and you're absolutely in a better position to get a, a great role. Yeah. You know, there, are, there are little opportunities like that where you know, we, we want to get the best out of people. I have moved around a lot in my career and I and I haven't had too many issues with that but I've stayed in a lot of places for about a year or so and I wonder if that's enough time. I mean, is there a certain amount of time that people should really put into each role? Is there an optimum amount of time or what, does it really depend on what they're doing? Yeah, I think, you know, the question would be, you know, why have you moved around? And I know you mentioned earlier, you know, you're ambitious, you're motivated, you want the next best thing, that's amazing. Um, you know, the right charity will understand that. I think. You know, there's nothing worse than, oh, I'm in a job, I hate it, I'm going to power on for a year. That doesn't help you, it doesn't help the charity, it doesn't help anybody. You're still going to have to explain it on your CV and actually saying, I hated it and I was there a year. It's probably worse to hear than, I hated it, I got out as soon as I could. Um, yeah. You know, it was only three months. It wasn't quite the right cultural fit or the right the job was sold to me or whatever the reason is or personal situation mean that things change. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just a big advocate of being honest. Um, again, interviewing and meeting applicants is like dating so it's got to be right for both people and you know the right organization will understand that you know it took a year off to go and travel around the world or yeah. you know you're ambitious and you jump from role to role and actually now you're at this role and you think it's going to be amazing because it gives you everything you've needed with all the experience you've got and um, yeah absolutely it makes people a little bit nervous about your longevity within a role but if you can explain it um, and you've got good reasons for your CV being the way that it is the right person will understand. I suppose the flip side of that is being somewhere for a long, long period of time, which in the past was standard, wasn't it? I mean, I know, you know, my parents and my, certainly my grandparents, they were in the same job for decades. Yeah. But these days, is it just our sector or maybe generally? I don't know. I don't know. People, the no, but certainly within our sector, yeah. fundraising, especially yeah. it seems, people move every couple of years or sure. so. Sure. And, you know, in the fundraising kind of, you know, I do community fundraising and events fundraising recruitment mainly. In events, okay, well, I've gone through the London Marathon. I've, I've organised that this year and next year. I'm yeah. done now. What can yeah. I do next? Absolutely. You know, it, it gets repetitive. So yeah. it does. And again, that's back to the, the client or the, the charity to keep the roles interesting, to keep mm. good staff. Um, you know, what else do those people need for their personal development in order to keep them in post? Um, and that's where, you know, if you do have that and, you know, charity is able to keep giving you different opportunities and secondments and shadowing or things to make your job interesting, then you'll stay. Um, and yeah, a few people have gone into roles, loved them, stayed with that charity as the charity's grown. Um, and yeah, after 10 years, they decide they want to change. Again, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just about being honest and explaining, actually, after 10 years, I'm now at that point where I feel ready to start something new and I want to bring those skills somewhere. You've just got to be honest and, and yeah. make it, and think about how you would answer that question. It's obviously going to come up um, you know, when you talk to a recruiter or when you're at interview. And in your supporting statement, you can explain, actually, you know, I've been really happy where I am. I've been really lucky. Now I'm just at a point in life where I'm, I'm able to look for other opportunities and this really excites me because. So you can make it flattering to the charity you are applying to. I worked at a charity once and um, 
and there was a suggestion that we ask a fun question at the beginning of the interview. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was something silly, like, you know, what animal would you be? And I think it was decided we wouldn't do that. And and I, I think I was on the on the side of saying, I don't think we should do that. Is that what a good idea? What sandwich? <laughs> I was just going to say what animal. But oh, think, what animal? No, well, those are both a good question. So actually, you've changed Bye. my mind. What, what are you trying to get out of well, those questions? I would be a successful sandwich. Would you? They throw the conversation off, though, don't they? They do. I think, um, yeah, I've heard, uh, what's your favourite joke? Which panics me, because in that scenario, I think all I think of is my dad's <laughs> dirty jokes in there at Christmas after a few too many drinks, <laughs> which would worry me. Um, or really poor jokes at yeah, Christmas breakfast, yeah. either way. Just, there's, there's no good answer here, is there? And again, you're back to how well do you cope under pressure to be asked something like that. But yeah, um, yeah I know there's the kind of psychology behind how people answer, but I think it's bonkers. You know, let's let's keep <laughs> it relevant bonkers. to the role and yeah. to the job and the charity. I suppose, I mean, if you were ask that question you could say well what's your favorite joke yeah. and then you get an idea of what where you're playing at yeah. you know if they then you wouldn't want to be that person to well, say something uh, I do quite I always say to uh, candidates you know have good questions to ask the um, yeah. interviewers at interview you know show you're interested and I do think it's quite nice to put them on the spot because mm. I think then they might have a bit more empathy to what you've just been through for the last hour's grilling that's a good so, point I mean, you've got to be careful haven't you because I remember I was suggested want to ask the question I went to an interview and and one of the questions that was stressed to me by actually um, the recruitment agency that I was with they said a good question to ask at the end is to say now you've met me what reservations do you have about me having this role yeah which I thought actually was like that sounds like a good question I asked that question and the person that was interviewing me said well I don't think that's appropriate for me to answer and, got, and was a little bit I've had it also thrown back in regard to the interviewer saying, well, what do you think our um, thoughts would be about your oh, ability right. to do this job? So either way can be wow. quite tough. Yeah. But again, I think if it's a question you're happy asking, the right people will understand it. And I, I quite like it because I think it gives you as a candidate another chance to answer anything that they do have concerns sure. about. And maybe there's a slightly softer way of wording it to make it... Maybe, or, or actually, I mean, for me, in that situation, I've realised that wasn't the right role for me. Yeah. Anyway, so again, I suppose, as you said, yeah. you know, it goes back to then you understand the person you'll essentially be working for or working yeah. with, and that can help you make your decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. If they don't like being challenged and they can't do that, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> then is that really going to be the right fit? Yeah. And I think if we could get out of our heads that... You know, every interview we go to, we've got to try and get, and it's some kind of character judgment if we don't yeah, get it. Yeah. Um, and it. And it isn't, you know, I'm sure a lot of us have dated and we know that we can go on tapes and they can just Many not times. fit. <laughs> or one of you think it was amazing and the other <laughs> one not so much. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things I think are so... Um, so the chemistry is a chemistry fit. It is, isn't um, it? Yeah. That you can't put your finger on. And, no. and certainly as a recruiter, when I find out that my candidates come a close second and there was nothing more they could do, and it was just that we felt that the other one would work better with us, and I have to give that as feedback to someone when it's kind of it's not I, you, it's me. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. And again, I've written another blog on that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so this podcast. Well, that's good. We're, honestly, we're going to completely <laughs> fill up. The, uh, the, the bit on our, our articles bit on the I told page. you I care about the sector. Fantastic, <laughs> but that's it, you're proving it right here. Okay, so that was Dawn Ballard speaking with me uh, not long ago about careers in the charity sector. I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. It was uh, great having Dawn 
coming along and contributing like that and hopefully she'll join us again soon because there are lots of other things we'd like to talk about but we just ran out of time um, so yeah I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, please do keep getting in touch with us we've had quite a few of you get in touch with us recently um, through our website charitychat.org.uk and uh, we're always pleased to hear from you and any suggestions you have for future shows or any questions you have we'll always do our best to answer them and if not point you in the right direction um, so you can get some support from somewhere else if not from us and um, yeah please do join our social media feeds twitter facebook and linkedin you can find all of our links on our website charitychat.org.uk a big thank you to all of our sponsors we've got some new sponsors now we've got uh, giant squid audio lab who are now sponsors of our podcast kit thanks ever so much for supporting us and um, also uh, magda as Aksamit, who um, has designed a lovely new website for us again charitychat.org.uk and uh, forest of fools who have been playing throughout the show and will shortly be playing us out and finally RR Yard Photography for the pro bono images that they've sent over to us for our website so yeah thanks so much for listening guys speak to you soon take care